0: come across situations uh, where we, we recognize a need and we recognize that we have the ability to help. And the sad fact of the matter is, is that we don't always help. Why is that? Well, I'm going to talk about that this morning. There are situations where we can easily help. There are situations where we can give. We've got it, with, we've got it within us. We've got the ability, we've got the skill, we've got the wisdom, we've got the resources, but why is it that we hold back? This morning we, uh, we conclude our series on on being courageous, having courage. And I want to um, draw your attention to a character in the Old Testament that absolutely everybody knows. Uh, by the way, wasn't that, wasn't that impressive what these kids know off by heart? That is absolutely thrilling. I think those kids probably know more than... That most of the people in the church now are brilliant little things. Uh, I'll get one of them to preach next week. <laughs> uh, we, we, we go to the Old Testament, and we, we see the story of a boy named David. Anybody, anybody ever hear of David and Goliath? Maybe you've heard that story before. David has been given a job to care for his father's sheep. His father sends David out into the wilderness to care for the sheep and he's away literally weeks on end and part of his job is to actually uh, not just shepherd the sheep so that they get food but to protect them and it was there in the wilderness that david with his harp would sing songs to god writing songs and while he's not writing songs well when he's not not writing poetry he's actually fighting off wild animals. And the Bible tells us that he has the ability to to fight off lions and bears and and who knows what else. Amazing for a young boy. He was a courageous boy, a boy that learned to trust God, a boy that learned to depend on God for everything that he needed. And so here's David, uh, a young boy who's close to the heart of God, who loves God with all his heart, and who trusts God to help him in whatever circumstance he finds himself in. The day comes when his dad gives him the assignment of going into town and going to bring his brothers some food. He, uh, he, he hears uh, a commotion. And he says, what is, what's that commotion all about? And someone tells him the story about how Goliath, is, who is the, the, you know, the Philistine, the enemy, he's been taunting Israel and mocking and blaspheming the God of Israel. And David is incensed. He is scandalized that this uncircumcised Philistine, as the Bible calls him, is allowed to carry on blaspheming the name of God and blaspheming God's people. And so he says, uh, who is this man? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He says, let me at him. Let me at him. And someone says, well, you're just a boy. This is ridiculous. He says, no, I can do this. I can handle this. i fought bears. i fought lions. I can handle this, this guy. This guy is nothing. And so they say, well, look, before you 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 go off into the field there and and, uh, pick a fight with him, you better go talk to the king about this first. And the king thinks, nobody's fighting this guy. We've we've had this standoff for days and days. Someone's got to fight him. And so the king thinks, well, you know what I'll do? Well, we'll put on my armor and we'll give him my spear and my sword, and and away he goes. But David's too little. He's too small to take care of that kind of armor. And he says, rather than take your armor, king, rather than trust in your armor, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to trust in the God that has helped me every step of the way. And so the Bible's clear. David departs from the king. The king says, well, go to it. And, you know, it's like I can hardly, I can't watch this. (laughs) I can't bear to watch. David heads out to the battlefield where Israel and the Philistines have a standoff. And he scoops up his stones and he starts running towards the giant. He's ready to kill him. And you know the story. Picks up the stone, puts it in the sling, begins to spin that thing. And everybody, everybody is taunting him, laughing at him. Not only is the enemy laughing at him, but his own people are laughing. His own brothers were mocking him and, 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 and putting him down, but he doesn't care. He's got a job to do. Swings that stone around and pop! Hits the giant in the forehead, and the Bible says the giant falls down. David runs over, cuts off his head. It's quite gory. Great stuff for children. Uh, (laughs) He picks up the head, and he says, look at this. This is a trophy. This is a trophy of God's grace, God's strength, God's power. Know today, Israel. Know today, Philistines that God is greater, and God helps those who trust him. God helps those who will take that step of faith and say, God, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Now, I want you to know something today. This is really the essence of Christianity. The very essence of this Christian faith, this faith that we call Christianity, is all about trusting God and doing what he says. How many understand that today? That's a definition for faith, but that's a def- definition of Christianity. It's trusting God and doing exactly what he says. Look at the scripture verse here in uh, in John, 1 John chapter 3, 16-17, and if you could read that with me. This is how we know what love is. So, you understand this morning. The thing that, that triggers action in the believer, the one who calls himself or herself a Christian, is that he sees or she sees a need. David saw a need, he rose to the occasion, he said, I've got to meet the need. It didn't occur to him that he should look out for himself or that he should try to protect his own skin. It didn't occur to him that he should let maybe somebody else do it. Folks, understand this today. It takes tremendous courage to follow Jesus. But you understand that the very definition of a Christian is that he or she is a Christ follower. And here's what it says. It says that Jesus laid down his life, and so therefore you and I should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We also should lay down our lives for others. What has happened to Christianity in North America when, when do we stop doing this? At what point did we lose our courage and think, you know what, the Christian life or the Christian message is all about living for me. That is, unfortunately, a message that has been preached pretty consistently over the last 20 to 30 years. It's all about me. And that the Christianity that God wants for me is a Christianity that's going to make me happy and make all my dreams come true. It's a, it's a very very childish immature understanding of the scripture and pers- and more specifically a very immature understanding of who God is and what God wants you and I to do. God has called you and me to follow Jesus and to be prepared to lay down our lives for others. To do that which is uncomfortable. To do that which is maybe completely outside our comfort zone. Let me give you an example. When I was uh, 16 years old, I just got my license. I mean, I think I think I just turned just turned 16, and boom, I got my license almost the next day. And uh, my dad let me drive his his uh, old car, his old uh, hobby car, which was a 48 Dodge uh, Dodge Special Deluxe. Uh, the doors, the, the suicide doors. Anybody remember those cars? The doors that open backward? Yeah. And so the reason they called them suicide doors is because if you were sitting in the back seat and you actually opened it while the car was in motion, it would just whip you right out of the car and send you flying. Uh, not only was it, uh, not only were they, did it have suicide doors, but it also had a uh, push start. You have to push the button to start it. it was, uh, this was way before Mazda or, or any of the other cars doing it, back in 1948, push start. The only problem is that sometimes that starter wouldn't work. It was very embarrassing because what would have to happen then when that starter didn't work, is that you'd have to get out of the car, put it in neutral. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then you start p- pushing it down the street. Now, when I'm 16, it's pretty strong, good legs. Still not bad, but says my wife. Uh, so there I am pushing the car down the street, and then when I got the thing really moving, you just you jump in there and then pop the clutch, and boom, away you go. I was really excited to have that car and then I would go anywhere I could anything going on in the city I wanted to go to it because I got to drive I got to drive the 48 Dodge got lots of lots of looks lots of excitement one day I'm at youth group and uh, I see a guy sitting there in a wheelchair he's all alone he's got nobody's talking to him being virtually ignored and uh, I felt god speaking to my heart i felt god saying alan go over and talk to him it wasn't an audible voice it was just an impression in my heart i knew it's something i had to do so i went over to him and i said hi my name is alan what's your name well he couldn't talk at least he couldn't talk very well you see he had cerebral palsy and he he, it was torturous he finally got out what he had to say and he and then he, he told me a little bit about himself and told me about his interests and and told me that somebody brought him to church and dropped him off. And, and, uh, and, uh, and then he said to me, H- why did you come and talk to me? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, I just felt I wanted to come and say hi to you. And then he looked at me and he said, you're the only one that's talked to me since I've been here. And I want to say thank you for doing that. That has meant a lot to me. Now, that, that simple little sentence, I mean, that took a long time to spit out. And I, I, I said it was my pleasure. And then what he did is something, he did something very uncomfortable. He took my hand, and I'm, remember, I'm just like, just 16-year-old teenager, and this, he wants to hold my hand now because someone's been nice to him. And I'm dying, because there we are amongst my peers, and he takes me by the hand, and he said, uh, you're the only one that's been nice to me. I want to say thank you for that. And I felt, uh, I felt instantly, I felt any embarrassment fade away, and I, and I felt the Spirit of God speak to him, speaking to me and reminding me that that's precisely what Jesus did for me. In my brokenness, in my weakness, God reached out to me And loved me and wasn't ashamed to accept me. Folks, this is Christianity in its rawest form. God reaches out to us in our weakness, in our ugliness, in our brokenness, in our hurt, in our pain, in our shame. He reaches out to us in love and He accepts us as His very own. Now, let, let the Spirit of God just speak to your heart right now. Because the thing that you want God to do for you is what God wants you to do for others. Kenny says, "Could I have your phone number?" And I'm thinking, man, I'm not sure I'm ready for a relationship like this. I'm 16 years old. I got my car going, and I want to go take out girls. <laughs> I I don't know if I want to do that. So I said, "Sure." I, again, the spirit of God speaks to my heart. I give him my phone number, and I didn't hear from him for. Uh, a couple of months, and all of a sudden, I get a phone call. And at first, I thought someone was pulling a, plank, a prank trying to talk to me, and I, 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 he's having a hard time spitting out what he's got to say. Then finally, I realized who it was. And he said, I want to go on a, on a walkathon, and I'd like you to come with me. I said, When's the walkathon? He said, It's, it's in a week, or on the weekend. So it was actually, it was just a few days. I said, Well, I don't have time to get sponsors. He said, That's no problem. I already got them. He said, I just need you to push me. I said, how many kilometers is it? 20 kilometers. <laughs> good thing I got good legs. <laughs> I wanted so bad to say no, but it, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said yes. So I said yes, I'd do it. So I took my, my Dodge, my 48 Dodge, which was meant for girlfriends, and I took it and I went and picked him up. And we went to the walkathon early in the morning and we set out. And it turns out I had really good legs because we, uh, we were some of the very first that arrived at the finish line. And when we arrived at the finish line, this was Kenny. It's like he did it all by himself. <laughs> and There I am, soaking wet, sweat falling off my face, and just pushing that wheelchair to the finish line. Everybody clapped, and Kenny took all of the praise and Thank you very much. Nobody saw me having pushed 20 kilometers. Nobody even noticed I was there. I take him home, and then I get a phone call from him just a few days later. He says, uh, and I'm, I'm going to give it to you the short, the short version of it. He says, Alan, we won. I said, what do you mean, we won? He goes, well, I won. I said, what did you win? He says, I got the most sponsors, and for that I get a free trip to camp. I said, well, that's fantastic, Kenny. I'm so happy that you get to go to camp. He says, well, I didn't didn't just get one free pass. I got two. (laughs) Who are you going to give the other pass to, Kenny? (laughs) What do you mean, who am I going to give it to? You, of course. And so Kenny and I went to, to camp. We went to camp for the weekend. Actually, it was a four-day four day camp. And he said to me at the end of all, I was really quite tired because I was literally waiting on him. I remember, I'm 16 years old, waiting on this guy um, like a personal caregiver. Um, a huge responsibility and i'm tired and i feeling a little bit sorry for myself and when just at the very end of the whole the whole week he looks at me and he says alan i want to say thank you because this has been the best time of my whole life i have never had so much fun i've never been so happy as i've been and i want to say thank you for making it possible Well, suddenly all the feelings of, oh, man, this is so hard, this is so tough, and do I have to do Suddenly that all washed away, and I I found myself having to get away to a corner by myself where I could just have a moment with God, and I found myself just weeping and saying, God, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being able to help make someone's life just a little bit better. And it was at that moment that God spoke to me and revealed to me that what I had done for Kenny, he had done for me. I want the Spirit of God to speak to your heart right now. Because folks, this really is what Easter is all about. We who are broken, we who are needy, we who are handicapped in so many ways, we who who struggle and have so much pain and have such such a terrible background, we who have been abused and hurt and broken, Jesus Reaches out to us and says, come to me, all you who are broken, all you who are needy, all you who are hurting, all you who have been abused and hurt. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, and I'm going to give you the best days of your life. This is what Easter is all about. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Next week, we celebrate Easter. Easter. We celebrate Jesus laying down his life for us. We celebrate the fact that because Jesus came to this earth for you and for me, we have not just a great and abundant life here and now, but we have the hope of eternal life. This is the faith, people. This is what Christianity is all about, and this is why Jesus came and laid down his life. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he knew that death was coming to him. Remember we talked about that in the last few weeks? Just before he was arrested and taken to be beaten and crucified, he was in that garden and he was wrestling with God and he knew that that's what he had to do. And he said, God, I, if there's any other way, there's a way that I can get out of this, if there's a way that I can bypass this path, God, I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather not go through this. And then Jesus says this, and you remember this, yet not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, God, but yours. I wonder if at that very moment, Jesus looked around at his friends, his disciples who were his closest companions for three years. I wonder if he looked at them and realized at that very moment that if he didn't have the courage to go ahead and lay down his life, that all his friends would be lost. All his beloved friends would, would perish you say really like what are you talking about pastor well i got to tell you what the christian message really is all about what the Easter message is about because i'm afraid that nowadays churches have become embarrassed and don't want to discuss the cross they don't want to discuss jesus dying because it seems gruesome it seems old-fashioned it seems a little out of touch with reality we're too sophisticated too modern to talk about it right but understand this, that at the very core of the Christian message is that Jesus came and laid down his life for you and me. So we've got to understand that, or what we've got is some kind of a faith that's created in our own image or in our own, according to our own designs, our own ideas. The center, the core of the Christian message is that Jesus came and he died for us. Why did he do that? Or why did he have to do that? I'll tell you why. Because God said... But the moment that Adam and Eve took the fruit, disobeyed him, would be the day that death entered in. And that's exactly what happened. Death entered in when Adam and Eve decided they were not going to listen to God. They were going to do things God's way. And remember this, God was not vengeful. He wasn't vindictive. He just said, if you take the fruit that you're not supposed to take of, and you can read about this in Genesis chapter 3, if you take that fruit, you're going to die. What is God doing? He was trying to establish a love relationship whereby human beings would simply trust him and do what he says. But Adam and Eve said, no, I don't love you, God. I'm going to do it my own way. And at that moment, death entered in. And you know. You know the effects of sin. You know what it's done to your own life. You know right now, as I'm speaking, the abuse that you've experienced. You know the pain that you've experienced. You know the things that you've done that if it was flashed on the screen, you'd be embarrassed and mortified beyond belief. But the fact of the matter is, is that every one of us here is acquainted with sin, with the effects of sin. And we understand that by nature, we are self-centered. We understand that by nature, we don't honor God, we don't please God. And it was for this reason that God sent his son into the world. Now, isn't this interesting? Not only does God promise death to those who disobey him, and don't accept him, and don't receive him. But he actually also gives the antidote. He gives the solution. And the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ came and he died for us. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through, the, through Christ who loved us. Jesus laid down his life for you and for me and took upon himself the punishment that our sin deserves. Now understand that today. That is the central message of of Christianity. That is who we are. That's what we're about. If you take that message out, if if you divorce that message from the Christian faith, then you don't have Christianity. I don't know what you have. You've got a great philosophy, I guess, but you have no assurance of eternal life. You've got no assurance that God is with you and on your side. And here's what God wants. He wants to reestablish a relationship with us. And the fact of the matter is is that each and every one of us, myself included, is like Kenny, broken and desperately in need of a friend. And that's why the Bible says, greater love has no man than that he lays down his life for a friend. Jesus looked at his friends in the garden, and he says, if I don't go through with this, if I don't go lay down my life for my friends, they will not have eternal life. And guess what? Jesus looks at you as his friends, and he says, if I don't go lay down my life for my friends, they will not have access to eternal life. And here's a wonderful thing. Is that everybody who believes in what Jesus did? The Bible says, it's very clear, if you put your faith in what Jesus did at the cross, if you say, God, you did that for me, then, then you're saved. And as the kid said in that scripture verse, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, you will be saved. Jesus calls us to to follow him, to follow his example. Because some people think that Christianity is all about getting saved. If I just get saved, if I just say a sinner's prayer, and if I just ask Jesus to forgive me for my sins, I'll go to heaven and everything's cool. right? Well, listen, that's half. Of the equation the other half of the equation is this jesus laid down his life for us and that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters and it takes courage to do that it takes courage to reach out to the kennys that surround us it takes courage to reach out to the people in our lives that are frankly not terribly attractive and not terribly lovely and actually difficult to cope with you know what i'm saying it's easy to be nice to people who are nice to you, but it's quite a different story to be nice to people who don't return your love, who are not kind to you. And yet Jesus, there's no footnotes in the Bible here, people. Look at, looking at that? There's nothing in the footnotes that says, Jesus laid down his life for those who really love him. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that Jesus laid down his life for the people who've got, who've got money. Or Jesus laid down his life only for those in North America. Or that Jesus laid down his life for people who, who are, are good. Jesus laid down his life for all. Because the fact of the matter is, is that every one of us has sinned and fallen short of God's very best. Do you understand that today? This is Christianity. This is, this is the core message. And if you don't get this, you don't get what we're about here. Jesus calls us now to go and be like him to reach out to that brother or sister who's in need, to show pity on those who have no hope and no help. That's why we're going to Africa. That's why we went to Africa. That's why Dennis and Karen went to Burundi recently. Why? Because they have it within their ability to go and meet the needs of the people in Burundi. What are you willing to do? You know what? Kenny looked at me, and he said, uh, well, everybody thought Kenny was a hero. Everybody, after he did that that 20-kilometer everybody thought, man, what a hero that Kenny is, being in a wheelchair and having cerebral palsy and being able to make it 20 kilometers. Everybody looked at Kenny and said, man, there's a hero. But Kenny looked at me and said, I'm his hero. Let the Spirit of God speak to you right now. Because you have it within you to be a hero, to your kids, to your spouse, to your neighbors, to the people that you work with, the people you go to school with. God's calling you to go and be Jesus to people who are broken and hurting and in need. And sometimes all it takes is is just a willingness to sit and listen. I had somebody come to me fairly recently and he said, "I've, I've been to different churches and wherever I've gone, I've been rejected. People don't seem to have time for me. They, they look at me and they, they judge me. And I said, uh, "How do you feel here?" He says, "Well, this is why I, came, I wanted to talk to you. I want to know what's going on." I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "How come nobody's judging me here?" I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, every church I go to, they 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 don't talk to me. They they judge me. They actually." One, a few places asked him to leave because he didn't dress just exactly the way they wanted him to dress. And I said, you know what? Let's call him Richard. Richard, God loves me unconditionally. I don't have to perform a certain way. I don't have to, I don't have to be good enough to be loved by God. God loves me. Unconditionally, And not only does he love me unconditionally, but his love knows no bounds. It's, it's an eternal kind of love. There's just, there's just no end of it. He says, well, you know what? And this is, this is one of the best compliments I've ever had in my life as a Christian and as a pastor. He says, I feel I'm getting that from you. And he started to cry. And he started to tell me his story, how he was given up as a, as a baby. Parents didn't want him was in an institution. He wasn't even raised in a foster home, an institution. He didn't know what to do with him. By age 11, someone took the interest in him and, and began to molest him, take advantage of him. And that, in turn, led him to do some things that he shouldn't have done. And then he looked at me, waiting to see what my reaction would be. And I just said, you know what, Richard? God loves you, and so do I. And that minute, he burst out crying. And I felt the Spirit of God telling me, go and give him a hug. I stood up, reached over, put my arms around him. I said, you are precious. God loves you, and you know what? I love you. I really care about you. And the tears just started to pour. And he said to me, You're the first person that's ever been nice to me. And I said, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the privilege and the honor of being able to be your love to somebody here on this earth. And guess what? I am... I'm as much in need of God's love as Richard is. Do you understand that today? Jesus came and laid down his life, and now he asks you and me to do likewise. Are you prepared to experience what real joy and what real blessing is? This world tells us that the way to be really happy is get a lot of money and have it your way. And I'm telling you today that the thing that brings you the greatest joy and the greatest happiness is doing it God's way. I wonder, uh, I wonder how often you and I make excuses and say, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to be generous. I've got to look out for myself first. I wonder about how many of us judge others and say, you know what, they, those, those poor people, they need to pull up their, their bootstraps and they need to get it together and they need to organize themselves. Or that one who's depressed, they've got to get it together. They've got to start reading the Bible and start praying. And it's, what happens when you're so depressed and you're so down that you can't even read a book? Listen to me. God calls us to go and be his hands and his arms, and his mouth, and put our arms of love around the one who's broken and speak words of love and encouragement to the one who's depressed and down. It was a, a Sunday school teacher, and uh, I had a class of boys who were about 8, 9, 10 years old. Anybody ever work with boys that age? Most adults have a hard time with kids. I was 15 years old, classroom full of boys. And I'm going to tell you, some of them were good. Some of them were good, and some of them were really bad. There's one boy who was particularly bad, and it seemed that he had the ability to sway and influence the whole class. And I remember praying and saying, God, get that kid under control or I quit. (laughs) Anybody ever do that? Maybe a parent here today. Get that kid or I quit. (laughs) Out on the street. I'll send him to the pastor's house. You ever feel like that? I was so annoyed with this kid. I wanted to phone the superintendent and say, look, if you don't take that kid out of my class and give him to somebody else, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. I wanted to call Pastor Barber and... And get it all sorted out. I, I just didn't want any part of this. And I'm praying and I'm saying, God, this is such a bad boy and I don't like him and he's, he's evil and maybe he needs a demon cast. Out. I don't know. There's something wrong with this kid. And, and then all of a sudden I felt God speaking to my heart. And I just felt God saying, Alan, love that kid. Now I'm 16 years old, 15, 16 years old. And uh, I came to my Sunday school class that Sunday with a different attitude, I came now not as a teacher that's got to control the kids in my class, but I came as one who is an ambassador or an emissary sent by God to make a difference in these kids' lives. I can tell you that those kids felt it immediately. And the one boy, Keith, who was, who was a, just a chronic problem, he's a kid that would sit there like this. He's a kid that would be making snide remarks. I'd be saying something, and he'd be making a snide remark. it would be like that all the time. So you know what I did? I went over to him. I put my arm around him. Those are days you could still do that without getting sued. I put my arm around him, and I said, uh, I want to tell you something, Keith. I'm really glad that you're in my class. And the reason I'm glad you're in my class is because I believe that God wants to teach you something that you didn't know before. He looks up, looks me in the eye, and as if to say, I dare you to try to change me. I dare you. I said, God really loves you. And I care about you too. Something happened. Something broke that day. His attitude changed. And suddenly he wasn't so hostile, and he wasn't so belligerent, and he wasn't so, so angry. And he actually started to listen. Listen. And he started to answer the questions. I thought, man, this is like magic. All I had to do was show that kid that I really cared about him, and suddenly he's responding to me. And uh, he became, by the end of the year, one of my best pupils and one of my best little friends. And for the years after he graduated from my class, he would come by and say, hi, Alan. And I'd say, hi, Keith. How you doing, bud? I'm doing Good. You see, I had the privilege of leading him to Jesus, and he asked Jesus into his heart, and his life was radically changed. And uh, he said, I'm, I'm doing great. And he did that for about three years. How are you doing? Great, I'm doing great. Two years later, I went to, off to Bible school, and while I was in Bible school, I, I got word that uh, Keith had been out with some of his friends doing what kids do, and the young, immature driver of the car lost control of his car, and Keith actually went flying out and was killed instantly. When I heard that, I was heartbroken that, that my, my friend, my young friend Keith had died. But I was suddenly remind, re- reminded that I was the one that had the privilege of, lay, of leading him to Jesus. And it happened because I was willing to lay down my life. It happened because I was willing to make a sacrifice. I was willing to love that kid who was so, I can tell you, so unlovely. And I can tell you many stories like this today, but I want, you, I want you to know this today. That what Jesus did for us in laying down his life is what God is calling you and me to do for others. I can tell you this today. You can be a hero in your family, you can be a hero. At work, you can be a hero in your community if you just learn this principle of laying down your life. Would you stand with me, please? Cross Church looks for every opportunity to allow you to be a hero. That's why we go to Lighthouse Mission. That's why we go to... Zambia. That's why we're going to Burundi this summer. That's why we're going to the Philippines this summer. It's so that you can be a hero, and you can discover for yourself what it means to be used by God. I'm going to tell you there's no greater kick, no greater thrill, no greater high in all the world than being used by God. This is why we have our Kids Club program. That's why we have our youth program. And that's why we give you opportunity to give, so that you can discover for yourself what it means to be used by God. This past, uh, past year, 2011, we've gotten ourselves involved in a lot of different things. And it's all because of what Jesus has called us to do to lay down our lives for others. Will you do that? Will you have the courage to step up and say, God, hear my, use me? And if you do that, I can guarantee you this you will experience an incredible blessing in your life like you've never experienced before. And secondly, you'll discover that there's a lot of people with a lot of need around you. And you can be their hero. Father, as we go from this place now, we pray for the grace, the wisdom, the strength, and most of all, the courage to live this life that you've called us to live. To do what you did, Jesus. You laid down your life for us, and you're calling us to do the same, to lay down our lives for others. To help that person in need to help that brother or sister who needs our pity. And God, then we can say without hesitation that the love of God is in us. And so we commit ourselves to you right now asking that you be glorified in our lives this week and the weeks to come. In Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Now tell that person beside you, let yourself be used by God.